You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everyone, Wendell here from Archery Unfiltered, giving you guys another car podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm always recording in my car. It seems like whenever I have free time, I'm heading off to the mountains to go hunting. So, I always seem to get some good, uh, some good time, quality time to, like, flush my thoughts out to you guys. Um, recently, I may have, like, flustered, ruffled some feathers, and, like, upset some people because I was... You know, talking some shit about this nuts and bolts guy, and uh, you know, if you were offended, if you, you know, anyone out there was offended, or you know, maybe this is just not—that's not the flavor of podcast you want to listen to. Maybe you don't want to listen to a bunch of shit talk. I, I get it. I get it. You know. With that being said, I meant everything I said. Okay, and I stand by it. <laughs> I am. Uh, I, I pride myself on my honesty. So, at least, you know, I can lean on that. You guys can can always trust that in my mind, I'm being, you know, I'm being honest 100%. I'm trying to, you know, give you guys good, solid info. I'm not just shitting on someone for this year's sake of shitting on somebody. I'm, I'm trying to help you guys. Um, and you know what? Everyone's allowed to make their own mistakes and learn their own way, so... You know, if you want to go to the nuts and bolts guy and be like, here, you know, mess around with my bow and tell me what you think, by all means, go for it and, and get back to me. Tell me, tell me, was it good? Did he do? Did he do a good job? <clears throat> can you shoot a three hundred now? Uh, I, I hope you can. <laughs> I, I truly do. Um, I realized in that last podcast, all I did was tell you not. To, it, it was like the first podcast I did that was like not how to get better. It was like, and I'm going to try to avoid that in the future. Really, I want to just do additive stuff and not subtractive stuff. But if it helps, if you guys get a chance, you can listen to Rootcast Archery, where Rudy had to comment on my, on you know what I was saying because I think Rudy feels a similar way. Or he was just trying to protect me and keep you all from hating me. It's kind of funny that Rudy Sandoval has become like the Jen Psaki press secretary. And I'm like uh, Joe Biden. And I'm just going to go ramble off a bunch of dumb bullshit. And Rudy's going to be like, now guys, uh, you know, we can get to your questions later. You know, we'll get around to answering that in a little bit. And, <laughs> and Rudy's just going to play uh, interference for me. But as much as I love Rudy, I don't need, you know, I don't need any protection. If you guys take any issue with anything I say, feel free to write in. Even better, you can go to the iTunes thing on Apple, go to Arshan Filter, comment, this guy's full of shit. (laughs) Uh, You know, or you can say, hey, he makes a good point. Um, 
So in this podcast, this episode, I'm going to correct the wrong here. It should be a, kind of like a continuation of last week's podcast. <laughs> but instead of me just shitting all over some guy who, you know, is, a, is he's a armchair archer is what I'm going to call him. Instead of me shitting on somebody, I'm going to give you guys something, alright? <laughs> um, this is the exact opposite. When I think of nuts and bolts, right, uh, I think of, I always talk about the spectrum. There's, there's a spectrum of archer. You could be like the tinker, you could be the shooter, you know? And most people fall somewhere on that spectrum. I kind of feel like to get good, you have to have some level of tinker in you. Because you gotta have this like technical problem solve thing going on. Um, but on the other hand, you could override that with just being an insanely good shooter. Uh, I mean, it, Austin Watts is a perfect example. He's shooting with a, a wicked, you know, four inch left tear, and, you know, he can crush, he can, he can destroy planets if he wanted to. He's so good at archery, he's so good at shooting. He's an extreme shooter. It's not to say that the tinker, I'm sure he tinkers. In fact, I know he tinkers, but. You know, there's an end. You know, there's an end goal of tinkering, and I, and I would put Austin on the far end of the shooter side of that spectrum. <clears throat> so nuts and bolts is like all tinker, right? I would say he's 99.9% tinker and zero shooter, or 0.1% margin, or point, 0.1% margin margin of error, right? So what do you have on the far spectrum on the other side? You get this guy, Joel Turner, who's this killer, um, he's this killer archery dude, slash sniper, he's like a sniper instructor up in, I think he's in Washington, I don't know, up north, but he, uh, he's a coach, he's not like an archery coach, but he coaches a very different way than everyone else. He doesn't sit there and like nitpick your form. At least I don't think. Okay, so I'm gonna go over a bunch of stuff. I've I've been not stalking, but I've been studying. Joel Turner has a bunch of videos on YouTube, and he's got a bunch of podcasts where he's like been interviewed by people, and he's coached a ton of people. I think he's coached Joe Rogan. I mean, I who knows how good Joe Rogan is at archery, but it you know rich people go to him to get archery help, help on how to execute solid. So, Joel Turner is this, like, super legit uh, archery coach, and the craziest thing about him, in my mind, is that his son, he's got this son who's like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, he's like a little kid, right? This kid can shoot like 30x, 300s in his sleep. You know, like in between playing Pokemon games, he can fucking crush a 300, no problem, you know? Finish his little fruit cup and then 30x game, bam. And what's crazy to see, this kid's name is Bodie Turner. I think me and Blake talked about him. He's like, a, he's a monster of a shooter. What's crazy is, knowing this kid is out there shooting that good, he's only going to get better. You know, and I remember thinking like, oh my god, the only way I'm ever going to get victory again is if Bodie Turner, like, winds up on, you know, 
15 and pregnant, <laughs> or he gets married or something, super young, or I don't know what, <laughs> maybe, maybe he realizes he likes drag racing way more than archery, I don't know, but anyway, there's this kid, and he is kind of like this product of Joel Turner's, uh, you know, this, this mental aspect of shooting, now he might have other coaches, he might be doing other shit, he might be working with someone else, but I think he was crushing it for a long time before, like, I think he was killing it way before he was shooting 30X games, so anyway, he's a product of Joel Turner, right, so Joel Turner has this, like, style, it's like a mental aspect of shooting, and this guy is, like, the, instead of tuning your bow, and, like, doing all this stuff to your release, and all this other stuff, it's all about tuning your mind, and your shot sequence, as it pertains to your concentration, and your, and your brain, and I don't know what it is about this guy, but something about it spoke, like, it spoke directly to me when I was listening to him, to him talk, he was, I think he was just doing, like, a sales pitch, and he was talking about Shot IQ, or, so he's got a couple names for his stuff, I think it's called Shot IQ is one, the other is called Iron Mind Hunting, or Iron Mind Archery, if you just Google it, you'll find it, alright, but what this guy was saying was, like, it wasn't, like, stuff that you, like, it's not, not in winning in mind, with winning in mind, I think one or two things he might say can also be found with winning in mind, but the meat and potatoes of it are not. The meat and potatoes of it are, are truly his own. And uh, it's, it's really, I'm going to go over what I think it is just based off of um, all the podcasts. I've, I probably listened to like five podcasts where he talked, and then I watched all of his videos on YouTube. And uh, <laughs> so he comes at it from this, this point of view of like, or his story, I think he was an archer. He wasn't any good to see a target painting. And then he became a cop. And, like a, and he was like, well, I gotta learn how to shoot good because it's like crucial for my life. And then he learned how to shoot good and then he became like a marksman and then he became like a marksman instructor. And now he's like a sniper team, sniper leader or something like that. And it's what's funny is I know of another guy was like some kind of sniper in the military who's also really good at shooting archery and it's my buddy Kai who's uh, also from up north and he was telling me that he had learned some stuff in marksmanship training that carries over really well to uh, to archery so I know maybe there's something to it but anyway um, yeah Sean IQ Joel Turner and one of the main things that I really liked when I was starting to listen to this guy is I, I feel like this whole system, is his whole like coaching system is meant to protect you, protect your brain from like that negative rut that, that your brain can fall into. I think it's supposed to even protect you before that happens. Um, but anyway, I wrote a ton of notes, so let's see if we can get into this. <laughs> so the thing that he said that I think I've read somewhere else is he said, uh, do we miss because we're afraid of failure? He said, I don't think so. And I believe I've read in another sports psychology book that you miss because you are afraid of succeeding and the change that comes with succeeding. And it's like a subconscious thing. Because 
Naturally, you're like, no, that's not true. Like, uh, like for me, if I miss a shot when I'm trying to shoot a 300, I'm like, I very much wanted to make that shot. There's no way I wanted. I, I am ready to accept the fact that I can shoot a 300. Like, let's do this. <laughs> um, but I think also maybe there's some kind of thing that happens if your shot starts to break down. Instead of saying like. Alright, I'm just going to put this down and start it over again. Some people's brains will kick over to a, I'd rather just get this arrow out so I don't have to pull this fucking bow up anymore. And when that happens, they break off a shitty shot. You know? Or, you know, maybe their pin's dancing around too much and they're like, I just want this arrow out of here. Um, so yeah, they, you know, maybe we, we uh, miss because we're afraid of letting ourselves more than what we are already. Maybe not. Maybe we missed because we have other things. So Joel Turner is like, do you have target panic? He's like, I'll tell you right away. You do have target panic. And he says that it's a human reaction to have target panic. Uh, so keep in mind, guys, I'm, I didn't take this course. So if you are, you know, if I, if I explain this to you guys, you guys are like, oh yeah, maybe I'll take it so I can figure out what Wendell's missing go for it, by all means, do it, um, I don't think I'm gonna take the course, uh, just because I feel like I got a lot out of listening to him, and I've talked to a couple of people who've done it, and it sounds like when you hit, like, a certain level of archery, you kind of get the gist, you kind of already get these, these concepts, right, I think after you've been shooting for a long time, you shoot a lot of high-pressure stuff, you shoot a lot of competitive archery, you kind of get the stuff. Now, I think if you're new to archery, or if you just want to figure out anything you can to get better, it's definitely worth it. If you're a novice to intermediate level competitor, I think it's worth it, because I think this can bridge the gap and get you, at least mentally, closer to where a lot of the 9, 12, 9, 15, 9, 12 to 9, 15 shooters are, you know? So, uh, Yes, Joel says, do you have target panic? Yes, you do, right? He says, uh, the subconscious human mind doesn't allow for us to, uh, or what is it? The, I think the subconscious, but basically, our brains naturally brace for recoil and impact and, and firing something. So, you, your brain anticipates an explosion. Like, it doesn't allow your body to be impacted without preparing itself. If you know it's coming, your brain will subconsciously brace against it, right? And that's the target panic. And he says that comes in a bunch of different forms, whether it's like you hold your pin off, like some people have trouble covering their, like say covering the ten ring with their pin, right? So they have to aim off, they have to aim at like six o'clock. He said that's a form of it. Another one is where people like hover over the target, come down and try to break the shot, or they'll, like, punch shots off is another form of it. Um, he did say there are no elite-level shooters that punch triggers. And that is the only thing he says that I really disagree with, because you have Kyle Douglas, punch matic you have James Lutz, super puncher, you have uh, Brandon Williamson, uh, you know, punch guy, but there's just, there's really good shooters out there that do punch, but maybe, 
maybe they still have a similar mental program. They just operate slightly differently. You know, I think Joel Turner mainly. Yeah, he said it, this his program works with all styles of releases, but I know that like um, you know hinge releases seem to be really a, a really good one for him to uh, explain the points. So, see, getting into it, that bracing comes through in weird ways, holding off target, getting punchy. Uh, Joel talks about how blank bailing can undo this. Like, okay, so he says what happens is you like you learn when you first start getting good at archery, right? Or you, he says when you first start shooting, you have this like inquisitive mind and you're just trying to figure out, you know, how can I get this shot to land in the middle or how can I break a good shot? And then you do it. And then the more you do it, the more your brain becomes conditioned at doing it, right? So it starts to like jump steps. Like as you become more efficient at doing this thing, it's like, okay, well, you don't have to do this and you don't have to do that. And your focus now starts to racing. You start jumping through your this process to get this shot to go. And when you start doing that, you start racing, your subconscious starts racing for this thing, right? So you start getting this target panic-esque type thing. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't ever felt feel like I've ever had target panic, right? I was one of the lucky people that I jumped on a hinge very early on uh, in archery. <clears throat> I play a lot of shooting video games when I was younger. I've shot a rifle a lot, so I've never really had target panic. It's always been kind of like a, you know, I'm going to try to make this thing hit or it won't. But I don't think, even though I say that, I don't think that's true. I do think I have some, there's probably some form of target panic when it comes to the fact that I am like trying to break shots when my pin's in the middle. Like I will, I will pull harder when my pin's in the middle versus when the pin's not in the middle. It's not like, I don't have this like long smooth pull and then the shot breaks. It's kind of like I'm tugging at this release I'm in my back wall and I'm just giving it a little extra every time that pin is where I want it to be. And eventually, I give it a little extra and it, it breaks, you know. So maybe that's not the best the best method. Maybe I do have target panic, so I'm, I'm going to try employing this system from what I know about it. So anyway, Joel talks about, you know, you get more efficient from practice. And not that practice, he says, like, practice isn't a bad thing. But as you practice, you will start to brace yourself. And one thing I noticed when he's talking, right, <clears throat> for at least with my own practice, do you guys ever start shooting a 300 round, right? So you shoot a Vegas round. Your first three arrows are, are like buttery smooth and super easy. Maybe you miss one of their first, you know, you get like six arrows of practice, right? You get three, two, two ends, three arrows each of practice. Maybe you miss one, maybe you don't. Because uh, maybe you miss one just because you're getting your, your bow arm and your aiming, you know, muscles uh, all juiced up and, and uh, you know, nice and lubricated. But maybe not. Maybe you don't miss. And maybe those shots, they all break. Well, I can tell you those first six shots, for me, they always break easy. It's not even a question. It's like, bang, I will break very clean, very nice shots. But on my 16th, 17th arrow... Uh, 20th arrow, like up in those later numbers, 
uh, it starts getting harder to break these shots. I, and I notice I get a little more tension in my release hand. Um, for everyone that's wondering, well, what kind of release do you shoot? I shoot an HPC, right? I got a hinge release. <clears throat> and what I'll notice is later on, like not, not in the beginning, not in the first third or the, you know, even the first half. The first half I can break pretty smooth. But later, later in that 300 round, I'll get a little more tense in my fingers. I'll get a little uh, less relaxed, a little less fluid in my movement. And it becomes more of this like tug and jerk type thing that I start doing. Still pulling backwards, still pulling against the wall. You know, uh, I'm not like creeping off the wall or anything. But I notice that that release is harder to go off. And I'm not trying to speed it up or anything like that. Uh, I'll return to that later, but because he talks about that also. Um, but what that is, my hand getting tense, that's my brain becoming more efficient because it knows where that firing point is. It knows you can get right up to that firing point. Like we know where that is in that rotation. So we can we get right up to it, but now instead of starting, starting super cold and then sweeping through that shot like your first you know, 10 or 15 shots. Now you're getting right up to that firing point. You're holding, and then you just, you know, it, because you're getting right up to it, you can't now do this long, swooping, gentle motion. You can't do this relaxing pull through the shot. It's, it becomes a much more rigid and uh, a tight shot, basically. Um, just so you guys know, I shoot with no click, right? And the reason why I shoot with no click is for that very reason of I, I don't want to come, I don't want my release to click and then be frozen at this, at this spot while I try to execute. <laughs> I would rather not know and work my way through this shot. So even with no click, I'm still getting right up to that point of firing and then just, you know, I mean, later in the, you know, later in my 300 round is what I'm saying. Like I said earlier, the, the first 15, I'm going through the whole motion, the whole, like, you know, start safe, uh, take your thumb off the peg, do the nice, relaxed, rotate, pull through the shot, bang, perfect. But then, you know, later on, basically, it's like, thumb off the peg, and I am right there. I am right at the... Woo! <laughs> it's the only downside with doing this in the car, but anyway, I am... Take my thumb off the peg, uh, and I am right there. It is like, you know, it's ready to go. I am ready to fire. I just need a little, I just gotta give it some. So, I, I do believe that is a solid example of the brain becoming more efficient and what that does. And, and that, it makes sense. When he says it comes with practice, it comes with repetition, and it happens to be later, later in the rounds. Um, and so what he says is one way that really good shooters overcome that <coughs> is um, blank bailing. And he was like, blank bailing will clear that. Clear that out of your brain. And you can get back to, you know. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh holy crap, of course. And he says, but what will happen is, he said, you'll do a bunch of blank bailing. Then you'll go shoot a tournament. Or you'll shoot a, shoot a game or whatever. Maybe, the, maybe at the end of that event, or at the beginning of the event after that, 
it'll start to creep back on. That efficiency, that brain efficiency will start to, to creep back in and you'll start to, you know, get a little more tension in the hand or your brain will start to pick up on, uh, you know, what you're doing and will start to jump steps, basically. Once you start jumping steps, then that shot process changes and he goes into something called a uh, open loop or closed loop system. I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but basically it changes from a closed loop to open loop. That's not what you want. What you want is a closed loop. So, uh, that shooting successfully causes us to become more efficient. Subconsciously, we link, we link uh, these movements to what's called a pre-ignition uh, movement. We link pre-ignition movements. So, <clears throat> basically, it's, it's what I just said linking those pre-ignition movements. It's like the, what happens before that firing goes off. Your, your brain is, is just like, okay, we're going to condense all this and we're going to make it as efficient and sh we're going to shortcut it. And in there, inside that con condensation of information, it's going to slip in these, you're going to brace for that shot, which means, you know, who knows what, you'll either hold underneath. For me, <coughs> It's just this, like, I don't hold under, I can hold on just fine, you know, and I, he says he can help you with his program, help you hold directly on the target. How I, you know, I've never had, for me, switching away from a fiber to a dot is what's all bad, and just shooting a bunch of field rounds, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I, where I think my target panic comes in is the, uh, inconsistent pulling but anyway what's funny is I've said something before relating to mindset which was you want to approach every shot like it's your first shot and it's like a problem you're going to solve as a, but it's a problem you're going to solve not a problem that you're hoping to solve and he says something very similar like are you hoping you hit this target or do you know you're going to execute a good shot and that's uh, another thing I, like all his coaching is very mental and it's so freaking cool because <clears throat> people that coach form I mean I get it there's a right form and a wrong form right but look at how many good top notch freestyle archers have bad form I will argue all of them they have an unconventional form. All of the top archers have an unconventional form. So much so that I would argue proper form is incorrect form. At least for compound. At least for freestyle compound. Um, so yeah. Uh, let's see. Where, where else are I just, um, So his coaching system goes against my personal theory. Now you guys may have heard me say this before. <clears throat> my personal theory for getting better at archery is legitimately just straight repetition and it has worked for me in the past but who knows what other things I was doing at the time I remember when I was shooting a lot I also had a release that was much colder and I was a much more passive shooter so I I focused on aiming a lot and you know my release going off was just a matter of me staying in 
racing, you know. And I would just, uh, Chance Bobeff said, said it perfectly. He said, I, I'm basically just steering a car inside the lines, you know, inside the lane, the painted lane lines. And I thought, oh man, that's a perfect example of it. But it's very passive shooting. Now, Joel Turner is not saying go out there and become a passive shooter. But he does stress a cold, like a cold release or a release that you work your way through beginning to end, you know. I do believe he runs releases cold on people. I think he'll hand you a release that's super cold or super, uh, you know, like an Evo or something to super crank down and you've got to muscle your way through it. So yeah, the, the goal is uh, automatic movements. Uh, okay, so the, what he's saying is the problem with my, my thing, alright, I believe in repetition, right? Because repetition, you will take the 20 step shot process and your brain will condense it down into four. Right? So my shot process is very simple. Knock an arrow, draw back, you know, get into the wall get the pin on the target and send it. It's a very simple shot process, but there's a, what he's saying is there's a problem there. And that is because what you're doing by going, you're, by, by doing all this repetition, you're creating automatic, automatic movements. And automatic movements is a failed concept when it comes to being accurate. When it comes to being accurate, you don't want a bunch of automatic movements. You want a bunch of want a bunch, like a, what's the word, you want like a long road that you can like steer down, that you can drive down manually, versus, what, you know, I'm like, when you drive to work every single day, do you stop and look at how many people are in line to drive through, you know, it's like, no, but maybe if you want to get really good at shooting archery, you stop and be like, okay, so there's four people in the drive through I don't know, but that's a bad, that's a bad analogy, but I hope you guys are getting what I'm saying, is that when you start simplifying things, it's, you're missing out on something, and I find this very interesting because I am one of these people that simplifies things. I've had great success doing it, but at some point, you wonder, how can I be better than this? Because it's, it's not perfect, you know? And the days I've done really good, I've had good days. I've gotten really lucky, you know. Luck played a part in those things, in those good days. But what, if, what, there's always something I notice, like, when you go to Reading, right, and you see, like, really good pros shooting, they're not just out there fucking flinging arrows. They're not out there, like, they're not even out there, like, oh, I'm going to solve this problem. Let's see how I solve the problem. They're out there deliberately running a program. They're like, here, 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 bam, mid, you know? Like, it's crazy to see, and I don't know why I noticed it this last year at Reading and not any year before that. I, maybe, I, I don't know why. And I, 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 what's his name? Is it Cooper French? I forget. Some guy's name. He's a Hoyt shooter. He's a pro. He's tall. He's gangly. Uh, kind of a play guy. But I was up at the, the top, you know, 80 to 100 yard practice range that they had at Reading. And I was behind him and I was watching him shoot and I was like, good God, this dude has got it down. Like, 
you can see in his brain he's working through steps. And I, I believe for a lot of us, 915 shooters, that's the next level. That's how to get to that next level. And I think if you're not a 915 or a 912 shooter, doing this stuff now will drastically elevate your game, you know. So, let's see, what else I got? Uh, oh, I wrote a good analogy. There's an old Japanese proverb that says it's not the destination, it's the journey. And I, it reminds me of this Joel Turner thing where he's like, what you're doing is now focusing and concentrating on the shot process. Like, versus, I, he doesn't say, you know, the regular coach will be like, okay, check your feet. Are your feet good? Good. Uh, you know, set your your release, uh, you know, hook your loop. Okay, got it. You draw back, you, you come to anchor. Is your, did you preload a little bit with your bow shoulder? Okay. Come down, touch the string. You know, the coach like will tell you all that stuff. But Joel Turner's not doing that. He's saying, okay, you got sections of your shot, you know, like when you're addressing the target, what are you saying to yourself in your head? He says very clearly, it's not about, um, shot yeah all right well that's great how did you feel that good shot how did you get to that good shot what did you do what did you say to yourself specifically to get to that good shot so he breaks it up into into sections and i'll get to that later in my notes what those sections are um so he says what was i thinking about during that shot what was i saying to myself during that shot exact words and exact rhythm he says the rhythm and cadence at which you say things in your head during shooting can speed up or slow down your shot process. It can speed up the, the execution of it. It can speed up and slow down your pin flow, which I totally get. <laughs> I totally get that. It's, I mean, if you've been in a 100-yard or an 80-yard shoot-off for money and you get your pin on target and you're like, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up, your pin literally looks like it's saying, don't fuck it up, as it's dancing around in and out of that orange spot, you know? So, that all makes perfect sense to me, that the, the cadence at which you speak to yourself. The, also, do you have a mantra? Like, I remember, I used to tell my students to give yourself a mantra, and mine was the word gradual. I would take my thumb off the thumb peg and say, gradual, boom, and then I'd try to break a shot, you know? Sometimes I'd have to say gradual twice. So maybe that mantra wasn't great, because I think Joel Turner says to say, like, a sentence to say something like, ooh, I'm going to get you, bitch, or something like that, or you're mine now. And that's the, that's what you repeat, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if he's about mantras or sentences, but anyway... The other thing he says, if you're doing it, the other thing to ask yourself, it's another way to confirm if you're doing it right, is can you stop yourself in your shot process? Is there a point that you can say, this is not good, something's wrong, and then let it down? Maybe a big gust of wind blows, you know, or, uh, <clears throat> you know, the whole mini golf course falls apart on you. Uh, are you able to stop yourself? And I know with my system, that's where my shit breaks down. Because I'm reading through his, you know, 
or not reading. I just kind of stop saying reading because I don't read. I'm listening to him on a podcast talking about this open and closed loop system thing, right? And uh, I should really save this for when I explain what those two systems are. But basically, the closed loop is something that feedback will play back into evaluating how you're doing as far as getting that shot to go. So I always thought of myself as a closed loop system because I come up, I aim, you know, I'll fast forward through all the little nitty gritty stuff, but basically I get my pin on the target. When my pin is in the X, I give it a tug. When it drifts outside the 10, I still am pulling back, but I'm not tugging it. Alright? And then as it drifts back to the middle, ah, I give it a little more. Give it a little extra. A little more. As it goes off, I'll relax it. Goes back in, give it a little more. Alright? At no point, once I am go time, when I'm playing this little tug and pull game, it is very difficult to just up and stop. And I think, I mean, I've let down in the past, but it is, I am more apt to send bullshit downrange than let it down and not. So I do believe that is where, you know, what, what I plan to try is I'm going to slow my release down, start working through my, you know, through my shot, plan to give myself a little, a sentence or a mantra that I can use. All right. Um, so the last thing is, uh, what decisions did I make to get myself into the process for this one shot? He said, uh, so yeah, that's another thing that you can lean on for this mental game, you know. What did I, what did I do to get here? Because to get to that one shot, you did a bunch of stuff right, you know. Just something to consider, right? It's amazing. It's, it's all mental. And, like, when you get to the high levels in archery, you will hear it a lot. It's mental. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still a physical game, which is why I take a, a fat dump on nuts and bolts because he's just setting up a bow like it's a rifle, like, a, like it's a bench rest rifle, you know? And it's not. This is... You do have to practice because this is like a martial art. You, you have to be in tune. Your body has to be in tune with your bow. Um, let's see, Jill Turner also says, your goal, keep yourself in the present uh, and not think about, oh, okay, so this kind of plays into the whole, like, um, what you did to get here. Keeping yourself in the present is thinking of that shot like it's your first shot and not thinking, oh my god, if I miss, if I make this shot, I just shot a 900. Vegas, or if I make this shot, I, I, you know, it's perfect, you know, I've, I've cleaned this course or whatever. Treating it like it's your very first shot, and it's hard to do. I'll tell you firsthand, I am like 50, I'm probably more at like, more fails than not, and when that last shot comes around, you know, I miss it more than I make it, right? But I, I have done this thing where I've, I've you know, I've I know that you have to approach it like, I mean, you should know that too. It's kind of basic common knowledge. You, you don't want the, the pressure to make you fold, right? Well, the only way to do that is to ignore the obvious things that are going to be going through your head. Oh my God, if I make this, what happens? You know? Oh my God, my Instagram post is going to be fire, you know? Forget about all that. 
your job is to focus on making a good shot, and that's it. And you can see this, a good example of this, even in a top-notch shooter. My favorite shooter to watch is Mike Schlosser. And I really wish I could shoot a button better, and that I wasn't a little weakling, because I would shoot, I would copy Schlosser exactly. He's so unique. The way his bow is set up, the way he shoots is so unique. There's a video of him shooting a World Archery indoor event, and I think he's about to set a record, or he's about to just win it, something. <laughs> he's crushing it. He is on his very last arrow, and I believe he needs an eight to win it. He, you see him draw back, and he's trying to fight these thoughts off. These thoughts are like doing a little Dutch dance right into his brain, and He's like trying to fight him off. He's like, fo you can see it in his eyes. He's like, focus, focus, focus. And <clears throat> and they creep in and you see it in his thumb. His thumb twitches like he's going to go punch the trigger. And then he pulls it away because he's like, that's not my process. That's not my shot. And then it twitches again as he starts to lose this battle. Right? He corrects. He knows that he's going to lose this battle. So he muscles that pin to the middle and punches the dirtiest eight but takes it he wins it right but it just goes to show that even a top notch like top level shooter it is tough to get these thoughts out of your head when the when it's on the line the pressure's right there like there's no cakewalk so it's why things like you know like this this program that Joel Turner is talking about I believe have value have more value than, you know, most most of the other shit you'll read on ArtreeCon. And so, <clears throat> granted, okay, so Joel Turner is also talking about how to get better just shot to shot. But let's be very clear, shot to shot is how you get better for success at target archery. It starts shot to shot, and then it, it goes on to the the grand poobah, the, the shot for money, the 100-yard shoot-off shot, all that stuff. So, now the moment you've been waiting for. Open versus closed loop shooting. What is that? Well, a quick Google of what open and closed loop systems are will put you down a rabbit hole of electrician manufacturing, uh, you know, uh, hardware, what else? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Utility? No. Appliances. Different types of appliances. That's what it is. So, closed loop system have the ability to self-correct. These are often known as feedback control systems. A good example of this is your thermostat at home. Alright, your thermostat is going, okay, for me, I, I'm speaking as a thermostat, shooting an X is keeping the temperature in this room at 70 degrees. So what do I do? I put out a little bit of heat, you know, I'll signal to put out some heat, uh, let me see, let me test it. Alright. Let me see, 70 degrees. Okay, good. Uh, getting a little colder, so I'm going to put out a little bit more. Uh, testing the air. Uh, a little bit too hot, I'm going to back off a little bit. Let me test the air. It's 70, it's good. I'm shooting X's. Uh, getting a little colder. Uh, I'm some heat. It's 70, I'm shooting X's. That is the closed loop system. It's basically something that the feedback, the feedback is the thing that's guiding it, right? 
shot. 
there's more in there that you guys can get from it. But I, I think there's a lot just from this. Just the stuff that he's given out for free, there's a lot that, that you can learn from. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Shot activation. Movement becomes the anticipated movement. So shot activation movement becomes the anticipated movement. Blank bailing. You turn off the timing mechanism. Okay, so he was saying that <clears throat> your aim, like when you're blank bailing, you're aiming at something, your eyeballs. I think they were talking about doing a blindfold and they're closing their eyes. Yeah. I'm not going to go against the great Joel Turner. I keep your eyes open. Just don't put a target up there. So you make sure you're not shooting the fucking dog or something. Alright? But, um, that's very interesting. It says you, when you're not aiming at something, you're taking away this timing mechanism. And I know we always think of the timing in our shot as, is my release hot or cold? But it's actually, your shot timing is reliant on your aim and where your pin is. Because if that pin drifts too far out, that shot timing is going to change. So, it makes sense. Uh, and this whole time I'm, I'm listening to this, I'm like, oh man, like Jerome is doing like 400 reps of blank bailing. His timing must be fucking rock solid. And if Blake's doing it all the time, he is in this constant state of feeling the shot out concentrating on on the feel of the shot like he can tell you how he got there like i don't know if blake's done this program or not but he probably doesn't need to because even joel turner says when you blank bail you reset and then you got you shoot and then you might need to blank bail again he's saying his joel turner's program is so that you don't have to you, you, you like you run it like this all the time You'll never get all locked up and, and wonky. And so, I don't know, it, it's cool. Like, it, it's one more reason to blank bail. He said that blank bailing returns you to the cognitive state of learning. Now, that's a lot of big words for me, <clears throat> and I'm not a psych major, but what I, you know, I'm not a dummy either, and I, I guess the cognitive state of learning, oh man, I should have just, I should have Googled the definition of that means something to do with your brain right but i would imagine it's the it's the feel he's talking about blank bailing you're you're experiencing the feel of your release rotating through the shot um and that's the thing if you're always thinking about that because it's part of your shot process then you don't have to you don't have to worry about skipping it which is what happens to me as you remember me saying in my later on you know, in the, the later shots, it's not, doesn't happen at first because you're like, okay, where is my release set exactly? You know, um, another thing that Joel says, that's very interesting, which I mentioned earlier, we we're talking about words. He's saying words are the route to concentration. <laughs> what you say or read puts your mind into focus. That word can get you through your shot activation sequence. And he was talking about a guy, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had written shit on his bow, right? On the back of his bow. And those words were like the keys or the, the trigger things for these different sections of his shot, right? So instead of, he didn't, I mean, I, I, it's probably not difficult to just remember whatever your phrase is or whatever your mantra is, right? But the guy had it written on his bow just as a reminder, like, hey, don't forget. 
don't forget, it's not to do these things, right? Like the, the John Dudley 20-step, uh, you know, do this, you know, do that, turn your angle, turn your shoulder, whatever. It wasn't even that. It was simply, you know, whatever your mantra is. Pull, pull, pull. It's very simple. It's not overly complicated. But it's not brain-dead stupid either. It's it's very smart in the respect that you are controlling the speed, which he also gets to. He talks about a speed limit. He said, um, he said your speed limit is the amount of, I guess it's the, the amount of speed that you're pulling for your shot, right? I guess if, if you're shooting an inch, that you can maintain, the limit is that to which you can maintain steady aim. too hard, your pin is going to leave where you want it to be. You're going to lose control of your pin. So your speed limit, you got to figure out where that speed limit is. And then you've got to hang out under that speed limit with your mantra, with your set, the, the words you're going to say. And whether it's pull, pull, pull. And he said, okay, <clears throat> the way you say it also changes I mean, I, I talked about it during the you know the shootoff. The way you say it changes that that pit, the speed that you're operating at. That you want to make sure that you know whatever your speed limit is, you're not saying things something too aggressive or too fast to go over that. And it makes a lot of sense. Just like I said earlier, if you're, you're saying oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up, or are you saying I got this? gradual, I got this gradual, and again, sometimes gradual might be too slow, you might have to say something else, you know, tiptoe through the tulips, bam, 22, um, how do you concentrate, uh, is your, he says, your, how do you speak affects your concentration, the guy, I think it was the Gritty Bowman podcast, the guy was like, oh yeah, uh, he's like, when you said that, I thought of Finding Nemo, and it, I vaguely remember Finding Nemo. I think I was too old when that movie came out. And um, I'm really bad at going to see movies already. Just because I'm a cheap, I'm a cheap, cheap asshole. And uh, now pirating stuff's like super illegal. So I can't do that anymore. But Finding Nemo, I vaguely remember, I don't know if I saw it in passing, but he was swimming, swimming from something, or I don't know what, but he was saying swim, swim, swim. That the fish Nemo was, and that's kind of, kind of what Joel Turner's talking. Nemo's concentrating on swimming, so he's saying swim, 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 and he's saying it to the, you know, his little fish strokes or whatever. Uh, let's see, and I got speed limit. Uh, he says, watch it and keep it. That's what it is. Keep pulling, and then I interjected in my own brain. Star Wars, you remember when they're flying along the trench uh, in the Death Star, and they're, they're like, stay on target, stay on target, they're not going, stay on target, stay on target, they're just keeping it real smooth, stay on target, stay on target, it, it, I don't know, I mean, for sure, George Lucas doesn't know this, anything about shooting anything, but whoever wrote that, that little segment, 
I mean, that's pretty accurate to know who's about to shoot something and it needs to be dead accurate. They're keeping that speed limit low. They got their own little mantra. You shooting to practice your concentration. Um, so yeah, that is the meat and potatoes of what I got for you guys. I hope that wasn't too scrambly. Uh, I really hope, you know, you guys got something from it. Uh, I really like listening to Joel Turner. He's a trad shooter, <clears throat> man, but he can shoot anything. Like, and a per, you know, if you want proof that it works, just look at Bodie Turner. Like I said, the kid's a monster. He is what my nightmares are made out of. Someone younger than me that shoots so good that I almost can't comprehend it. Like, it was hard enough for me to accept uh, Austin Watts and then Blake Trome, and now Bodie Turner exists. So, like I said, until I figure this shit out, I'm just going to have to be the cool guy. <laughs> Try to be the cool guy on the on the <laughs> archery range, which means I'll stop shitting on people so much. I'll stop, I'll, you know, I'll do more positive stuff. I hope you guys like this episode. Um, I would urge you, if there's anything in this podcast that I mentioned that you think uh, you could gain from, or there, there's more there that I didn't go into, that you contact Joel Turner and you sign up for this class. It's 200 bucks for his class. But what does a new release cost? He had this very interesting thing that he was talking about. A lot of people, what happens when you buy a new release? And he talks about this. You buy a new release, you shoot fucking great right away. New shit syndrome. What is that? That is your brain working through the intricacies of firing that release. You haven't shot it enough to do the efficient jump to, you know, A to Z jump to fire thing, right? You're working it out. Very interesting thing. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Let, let me not get off track. But, so, for the price of a new release, you can figure this shit, you know, you can take his course and shoot one release forever. It'll save you from buying a bunch of releases in the future, alright? Something that's very interesting about that, <laughs> when I shot Field Nationals uh, in Mechanicsburg, it rained, right? And I shot a release called a Carter, uh, what is it? It's a hinge, but it's got like a, it's smooth, it's got a smooth handle, there's no finger grooves in it. Um, and there's two moons. It's not the Carter two moons, it's something else. Total control. Alright? I had a Carter total control that I shot. And it rained. And that Carter, the, that Carter, the Carter total control, right? They advise that you send those back to have a hole drilled in the back. And then they put like a set screw in there and it holds everything together. Because they knew when shit got weird, those two moons would move around, which means your click and your fire would change. Uh, when it rained, when I was in Mechanicsburg, my firing point became random. Uh, I can't remember if, I might have been shooting no click at the time, or I might have been shooting a click, but I remembered I could not, I shot the same, it's the only release I took, right? But I remembered I could not rely on my brain. 
I, I, I didn't know where the firing point was ever going to be on that release because it had branded, because it became so fucking random. And so every time I shot, I would pull the release back super safe, right? I call it the one o'clock. It's where you get your index finger and your thumb on and then nothing else. And then you slip, you know, the, the handle's pointing towards one o'clock. So when I shot Mechanicsburg, I shot it with a release that I did not know the firing point of. And I never really thought about it, but it was, in essence, the surprise, the quote, surprise release. I was working that all day long. I was shooting the exact same shot, and I was shooting it in this way where I could not jump A to Z. I could not become efficient with it. I had to go through these steps with every single shot. And I never thought about that until listening to Joel Turner. I was like, holy crap. I thought, you know... I thought that I was just working a shot, you know, I'm just going to work this long shot over and over again. And I never really thought about what is that actually doing to me? It's forcing me to focus on every single shot, not knowing when it's going to fire. Very interesting. Uh, if you would have asked me the other, you know, a couple days ago before doing all this research, do you believe in a surprise shot? I would say, not really. I kind of know when I'm going to get my shots to go. Now, because I shoot differently than I used to. I shoot a true ball now. I don't shoot that. That total control shit got old. Like, not ever knowing when it was going to fire got old real fucking quick. So, <laughs> granted, I don't know. Maybe I need to find a way to get that. Does anyone have a... You guys ever see the scat release? It's like a... It's a terrible name. I think they call it a Siegfried scat release. There's a release out there that's got like hydraulic fluid in it. And you hold the safety down and then you just let it go. And when that hydraulic fluid works its way through, the shit fires on its own at some random, you know, at some given time. That might be fun. That might be worth working on. I think I shot one in Fresno, but if anyone's got one of those that they want to donate to me to mess around with, I will uh, happily do that, do that thing. Uh, let's see. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, I have two releases. I'm thinking of doing an archery unfiltered release, okay? And I have two releases in mind. I am going to <laughs> do something that's never been done before. I am going to take two existing releases. I am going to change their color so that they are not a production color. And then I'm going to call them my own release. Ah. <laughs> I got two releases in mind. Maybe I'll post them up. If I decide to get serious about this, you guys can tell me which one you think is cooler. Uh, one is a hinge and the, that you can adjust every single finger on. <laughs> these things are built. These are in existence, but they I promise you, you will not find them. <laughs> uh, and the other is uh, a Spot Hog Cascade. It's a relaxed release. And uh, I really kind of wanted to play with that. The last time I tried it was a couple months ago. I, I smacked myself in the face inside. I was too scared to use it again. But anyway, I hope you guys don't mind the audio quality being uh, a little crappy. If you sat through it this long, then you're obviously not horribly bothered by it. But uh, this is going to be my this is the last weekend of uh, hunting season for me. So all podcasts here forward will be better quality. They will not be in my car. Uh, and. and Again, you guys, 
I apologize for making that last podcast shitty, right? Or at least negative. I hope you thought it was funny because I tried to, whenever I'm shitting on someone, I try to make it funny. Um, but I meant everything I said, and I stand by all that stuff, you know? If you're just gonna sit there and fucking tinker all damn day, and you're not gonna get out there and shoot, and you're not gonna compete, then you have no business teaching anyone else, you know? Unless you're teaching people how to tinker, which they can get bagged, I guess it's okay. But goddamn it, teach them right, okay? With that all being said, I should mention that this podcast is brought to you by DV Custom Coatings, the Sarah Coating Company, and my two friends, Darren and Run. They do a damn good job. Darren is doing some great work right now. He absolutely does a killer digital camo. He will post up with some pictures soon. I highly, highly recommend everyone take your bows to Darren. Tell him you want digital camo. It is the coolest. He does a great job. He has steady and steady fingers for the hours of masking it takes to do that. Um, I might get my hunting boat done by Darren pretty soon. Uh, but I would like to make it something that he would absolutely hate serotonin. So, you guys, uh, you know, just make Darren's life uh, a little crazy, huh? What do you say? Maybe you can get a mantra seracoded into the back of your riser. You know, whatever your words are going to be. Just don't change them ever and make sure you got the right speed down for how you're going to say it. <laughs> um, the other sponsor for this podcast is Carpet Craft Stabilizers, uh, run by the great Adam Ross and Brian Webb down in Fresno. Impact Archery can get you those stabilizers. Uh, West Coast Archery up in Petaluma. They can do it as well. Um, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope this mad rambling helps you one way or another. I really hope that this episode helps you as much as I feel, as, as, um, what's the word, as profound as I feel about it. Like, this, the shit Joel Turner says is up there, and it takes a lot of people years to figure out what he's trying to teach. And I feel like for the newer guys, uh, it is really helpful. Like it can it can advance you uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Let's see. That I forgot that I was going to get to. Uh, someone asked, which tournaments are considered the Outlaws? Well, hopefully, the Outlaws Facebook page will update you. Outlaw Archers, I think there's a Z somewhere in there. Outlaw Archers. Um, check it out on Facebook, and they, they will tell you the events ahead of time. Normally, it is Low Dice Cartoon Classic. It is... Nevada County Sportsman's June Shoot. It is... At one time, it was the Fresno Safari, but then it stopped being that. Also, it used to be four shoots and then it became three. And then it was the Oregon... Greater Oregon Safari. Bam. Those were the outlaw 
was this last year they added in the Cabin Fever event in Reading that became an event. But everything was so kind of touch and go this last year, it wasn't a series. It was just individual events. So those will be your outlaw events. I believe that is subject to change in the future as the outlaws becomes, I, I believe they are going to either add more events or I think they're just going to, there's a lot of value in shooting the outlaws if you want to get better. It is like one of the best platforms for competitive archery. Plus there's money. It adds money, the money element to it. If you want to feel like a semi-pro archer and you want to shoot against the pros, that's where, and you're in California and sometimes Oregon, that's where you want to do it. Um, let's see. Other questions. When you were super competitive, I'm still super competitive. I'm just not as good. Anyway, did you notice the day after you rest, your rest day, you shot better than the day after you practiced? Example, I shot yesterday after not shooting Monday. I shot 322 and then 318 at 90 meters, but today I shot 307 and 317 at 90 meters. Uh... Based on seeing a decline in shooting after shooting the day previous, should I schedule my rest day the day before a tournament? What I would do, if this were me, and this might be what you're saying, you write all these scores on your calendar, right? The day you shot them. And you find the peak day, right? What days am I shooting the, the high scores? And look at the beginning of those peak, the the peak. Where you look at where they are relative to your rest days and adjust your rest days accordingly, so that those peak days hit competition day. I do believe that is the basis for periodization that they do in like most Olympic sports, pro sports, what have you. I hope that helps. Uh, thank you for the questions. Chris, you are the man. Thanks for listening. Um, if anyone else has questions, feel free to hit me up. You can hit me up at, on Archer Unfiltered on my Facebook page. I promise not to shit on you too crazily uh, for asking dumb questions. But, I mean, that's what it's all about. We're all just trying to learn. We're all trying to get better. I mean, I, I don't know any... None of my friends are not trying to get better at this sport at any time. I don't know anyone that thinks they've made it. Even Blake Jerome, who is like God-level archer, is still trying to get better. What does that tell you? When you can clean field rounds and you're like, I got work to do, there is no end to it. Perfection is unobtainable. Okay? So, uh, I hope that helps. I hope you guys enjoyed this, this episode. Uh, don't forget to tip your waiters or waitresses. Alright, and uh, be careful. Bill Cosby is out there. See you later, fucko!